Hi everyone! Uh, welcome to Beyond the Stars. Uh, this is a panel about the upcoming book, Galactic Magic, hopefully coming out in, uh, was it late 2021? We're gonna be talking about some great stuff about magic, details, teasers, and well, you know what, let's just, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I will be moderating. I'm Inar Trinidad, an editor here at Paizo. Uh, and I am the editing lead for this book, and that's mainly why I'm moderating, quite frankly. And how about our uh, our panelists? Go ahead and introduce yourselves, fellas. Hi, my name is John Compton. Uh, I'm a Starfinder senior <laughs> developer, and uh, so I was the development lead on this book, but worked very closely with my colleague. And I'm Joe Pacini, and I am grabbing that and running with it. See, we, we're so in sync that we do everything at the same time. So I, I am the Starfinder lead designer, and I uh, worked on this book in a development capacity. Alrighty. Well, you know what? Let's dive straight into it, because we have some excellent things that we really need to cover. Uh, first off, um, we introduced something quite big with Galactic Magic, a new class, the Precog. So, um, all right, let's... Uh... Uh, Joe, you wanna you wanna get a start on precog? Yeah, check out this sweet art of uh, which was spoiled a little earlier in the keynote, but here it is again of our uh, iconic precog, a new spellcasting class that can glimpse the future and manipulate time. So we're still fleshing out all the cool details about this iconic. So keep an eye out for her backstory and uh, fiction that'll come in the future. We're all looking forward to that. Um, the the main new mechanic in the precog is a pre-roll mechanic where at the each day if you're a precog you get to roll some d20s some 20-sided dice and uh, record those numbers and those are your glimpses into the future and as you go through your adventuring day uh, you can use those rolls in place of other rolls or other numbers um, so for example you know as you grow in power you can use it on more and more things so you could start out using it on ability checks and some skill checks and then eventually all skill checks and even attack rolls so if you roll that, that, they're called paradoxes. If you roll that 20 paradox, you can save it for that exact moment where you knew this was gonna happen. Um, and it's pretty cool. There's also ways to use lower numbers. So you might be able to buff your armor class or defensive abilities using a lower number. Um, so there's lots of ways to use that. You also have uh, anchors, which are your sort of main connection to time, uh, which could be anything from being the, the subject of a failed time travel experiment or uh, part of our setting, The Gap, which is a, a stretch of time where history is unreliable, uh, you might be connected to that uh, in some way. Um, there's lots of temporal anomalies, they're called, if you are a precog, that will let you further customize your class. So there's all kinds of things in there, uh, including being able to trap people in time loops or get a spell slot back when you fail uh, or when I should say when your target succeeds at a save against your spell, you can be like, that didn't happen. I saw that coming. Um, there's also, of course, new spells for the for the precog, which we can get into in a bit. But yeah, that's that's the gist of the new class. Um, of course, it had a public play test uh, that was really successful. It helped us make some important tweaks to the class. It's dexterity based, but uh, it's spell casting is not. It's uh, uh, intelligence, I believe. Wow, have I forgotten? Um, one of my colleagues can help me with this, I think. But It'd be intelligence, yeah, yes. uh, intelligence. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Sorry, thinking about other things going on. <laughs> we have a current play test that, anyway. 
Uh, so yeah, the precog is a new spellcasting class. I love it. Uh, it's written by Thurston Hillman. I'm really excited for people to get their hands on the final version with the full spell list and all the abilities that are in there and, and have fun. Yeah, yeah I know I'm pretty excited for... Uh... Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I love time shenanigans. So I saw the precogs, like, that's so cool. You're gonna get so many clever uh, characters just making use of, um, of those abilities. But uh, go ahead, uh, uh, John, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, one, one of the fun things that Joe started to touch on with the precog is also how uh, that, D, that D20 roll at the beginning of the day um, grows in its versatility and, and in its scope as you gain levels. And so you start off with several ways to be using it, but as your character's growing, you're developing new outlets uh, for this ability. So you'll find that you're able to predict a wider and wider range of circumstances. And another another thing that people might want to know about this book in the precog is that we are providing uh, the information you need to play a precog with an archetype, and also to build NPC precogs. Um, so that that information is baked in to this book, uh, and um, of course we also provide sample builds. So for folks who just kind of want to dive in and uh, and see what see or or even just see what's possible uh, with the precog, given different feats and different skill choices, all the classic stuff with any Starfinder class that you can customize your character with. Uh, we have some cool pre sort of pre-made uh, builds for you to check out um, that also have really cool art that we're not showing today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't love to show talk too about much. that anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. As far as the precog, does anyone else or either of you have anything more you kind of just like to add in there to keep people, uh, you know, keep people excited for the upcoming precog? Because I know the conceptually it's very fantastic, and we're gonna but we're about to get a bit into the mechanics just a bit more uh, with our next topic. But anything else you'd like to add? I think that uh, one of the fun things is that the precog, like several of our uh, recent classes, deals with a really complex topic. You know, the idea of of time and prediction and the like. And in uh, stories, you know, that can work out pretty cleanly. When it comes to playing, you know, a chronomancer style character or what have you at the table, that's often something that can send up a red flag for a designer or for a player or for a GM and be like, oh gosh, how is this going to work? But every time I go back to the precog, I'm uh, so pleasantly uh, enthused that so many of its abilities are tapping into that flavor, but are doing so in a really clean and elegant way. So I think it's something that folks are really going to enjoy uh, and also have fun with uh, adjudicating at the table. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. That was something uh, Thurston did a really great job on in the original turnover and that our playtesters helped us hone even further um, is to make it not something where you have to rewind the last few minutes of at the table play or something horrible like that, uh, where you capture, like John was saying, that flavor without the sort of cruft and, and bookkeeping that can accompany it sometimes. Um, yes, there was one other thing I wanted to say, but I have forgotten it conveniently, so period. <laughs> well, that's something certainly everyone should look forward to then to get to play once the book comes out. Uh, and speaking of um, something that, uh, that Joe mentioned earlier, spells! Uh, what is magic in our in the Starfinder setting without a whole bunch of new spells? Uh, gosh, there's just so many. Let's let's go ahead and look. There it is. Uh, which spell is this? It is a. Uh, do either of you wanna is... wanna share? 
Yeah, this is the wall of ice, uh, which accompanies wall of earth and fog and steam. No wall of heart in this book that I'm aware of, but lots oh, of no. new wall options. Um, John can definitely speak to sort of the categories of, of new spells that we asked for and got and put in the book, um, which you know include spells from various areas of the universe, of the Starfinder universe, um, but also we have new some new multi-level spells uh but yeah i'll let john talk about that a little if you'd like yeah it's i mean when we look at a, a book called galactic magic we want to make sure that it's representing magic from across the galaxy so um when we assigned the spells for this book um to which so many talented freelancers contributed um we had we had basically assigned them in these these little subcategories like we want you to write some spells that are themed on or innovated in near space we want you to do the same thing for part of the pact worlds and for you for a different part of the pact worlds but we also chose broad categories of spells so like we had that uh wall of, wall of steam spell and it's like we would like you to make a whole bunch of new barrier based spells or magic suppression spells or or what have you um and it's really been a great way for us to um further expand some of the spell casting niches that the core rulebook introduced um, but have wanted more representation across all spell levels. So you're also going to see like some options for your, uh, it's oftentimes jokingly called the bad touch caster, where it's like melee combat spells for which we have like Jolteen Surge. Um, but you'll see more and more spells like that. Uh, and as Joe mentioned, a, a good number of multi-level spells as well. Um, and these spells are really performing cool functions at any level of play. So one of the ones that really jumps out to me is a spell called Dampen Spell, where it's not full counterspelling. Um, instead, it's a spell that you can kind of cast on the fly that will reduce the effects of somebody else's spell without canceling it out right. So it gives you a nice little bit of that counterspelling flavor uh, while still keeping the action going for both sides um, and representing a small resource cost on the part of your caster. Yeah, some of the uh, spells like Demortash, uh, Fist of Demortash touches nicely on a sort of near space theme spell that's just a big line of force damage that can knock people down uh, for when that's handy, which is not uncommon. <laughs> uh, there's Dream of Home is another spell that's uh, Kasatha inspired uh, that kind of overwhelms your target with nostalgia, which is I think is pretty fun. And then there's Death's Door, which is a kind of a keystone spell for the Precog, who's the only one with access to it. And that that is just a multi-level, you know, levels one through six spell that uh, adds that does damage and then can add strength and even dexterity damage as it grows in power. So lots of lots of really cool. There's another one that again has art that we are not showing today because I like to do that too for some reason. <laughs> but um, it's called Channel the Outer Sphere, and you get to pick an outer an outer plane and summon planar essence from it to blast people with damage. But depending on the plane you pick. It has different uh, secondary effects. Um, there's really cool art for that too. So, yeah, I just I, I've uh, never, I'm excited I've never about seen the, the so fulfilled by his spell casting. Right. It, it's fun. I'm, I'm sorry to the right electrovores now. from. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies <laughs> to those poor electrovores who had to be illustrated being vaporized. But you know, um, the other exciting thing about, of course. Um, Every, every spellcaster so far has a zero level spell that they can cast uh, to do some form of damage, uh, whether it's, you know, a saving throw to take a little bit of damage or 
hurling a, an object telekinetically at somebody to bop them in the head. Um, and the precog has one too, it's called injury echo and it manifests an, an injury on the target from the future or the past and uh, reopens that wound for them uh, figuratively and literally. Uh, so pretty gnarly, don't mess with time. And something that's also really exciting about these zero level spells is that we're introducing an optional system to scale those spells so that when you are a magic user, your magic's your whole deal, uh, are wandering around with your adventuring party, and maybe you still have a laser pistol, but it runs out of battery, you can still you can still be effective and still contribute to a, to a combat uh, damage-wise and on an ongoing basis, uh, which is, I think, a really cool option. We've definitely heard from people that that was possibly lacking, um, and I'm just excited to add it in. So Injury Echo and all the rest will have information for you to scale that damage up, uh, you know, moderately as you, as you level up so that it's an option you can always fall back on. I know like whenever I do magic, I prefer spellcasters because they tend to have kind of the coolest aesthetics to them and spells tend to be a really good outlet for GMs and players to describe how exactly does their spell manifest and to, you know, just by mechanics wise do something really cool. Um, there is one, I, I can't, I don't want to spoil too much, because then that take away from the mistake, but um, one of the yeah, touch yeah. spells, the new, one of the new close combat spells, uh, I think creates a star into someone, injects a, a core of a star or something like that. It's very high level, very flashy, <laughs> but you know what, if you get there, I think that you've earned it. Um, I believe there's also a, we were, uh, I believe there's something with rituals, did rituals get mentioned yet? Have yeah. I mentioned rituals? No, not yet. Yeah, we have we do have go, uh, go rules for rituals. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> we we have and and by the way, my you know I was like chanting spoil, spoil, spoil when you're saying you don't want to spoil things. Um, so rituals are in this book as well, uh, and that's a way for uh, non spellcasters to perform and contribute to magic, uh, which is pretty fun. So we have a neat little subsystem there for summoning things and carrying out a, a bunch of other magical effects that you wouldn't normally have access to as a non spellcaster. But that now, if you if you get a willing group together, <laughs> who's just just uh, nervy enough to try it, then you can you can perform some magic. So which goes back to this book, you know, it's called Galactic Magic. It's all about magic. But even if you're not a spellcaster, there's plenty in here that um, that will help your character either inhabit the world more, you know, uh, genuinely. Like you'll know what. The spellcasters in your life are doing and what what they believe what they might believe um which we'll get to in a sec but uh also you know how your character might react to magic and there's just a lot of great info in here and of course we have class options which i'll just name drop briefly um that are for every class that will be printed at the time this book comes out so that's pretty exciting too so lots of lots of options for everybody and one of the things i like about uh you know, anytime we introduce another system in one of these books is that it creates a great foundation for us to expand upon in the future. So you're going to find a bunch of uh, new and also familiar uh, style of rituals in here, but uh, with the rules of these, that means that we can be expanding upon them in future products. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to kind of understand what is a ritual and how can you be making your own? Because rituals are in many ways a narrative device where they serve a specific uh, purpose that the whole party needs to have happen or sometimes for some of these rituals that I'm looking at right now, where you just want to do some sort of spectacular magical phenomenon that spellcasting, you know, probably would 
would not let you do until a much higher level. Like, you know, push a star into somebody's chest, as, as Ianara pointed out. <laughs> True that. Oh gosh, I'm looking at our topic list, and we're kind of going through a lot of these quickly. Do y'all have anything else you want to talk about spells? Because uh, it is—it's a massive chapter. I—I I, I had to oh, edit yeah, that, that part. It's yeah. massive. There's so much to look at and so much to talk about, but we can't talk about all of it, of course. But and, something and, and that's really exciting that you guys just want to like get out there while while we have people's ears. I, I think just from a perspective of like pulling back the curtain a little bit in this book's development. Um, Whenever we're creating a new book like this, we go over various objectives of what we want to see happen. And when we, you know, came together with the idea of galactic magic, the idea was like, of course, it's going to have spells. Um, but we had um, somebody within that meeting being like, it'd be so cool if we could say like over a hundred new spells. And that just gained traction. And, you know, Joe and I were looking at each other being like, that's a lot of spells. Oh gosh, that can we even make that happen? And, you know, these are always like these big development challenges these are uh these are tough to do but uh looking back at what everybody on contributing to this product created it's always so gratifying to see just this huge wealth of arcane divine whatever knowledge uh in here so it's paid off and we're really looking forward to everybody being able to see what happens when a, a team member decides let's put a number to it <laughs> um and we all make it happen yeah, and there were so many freelancers that worked on this book, of course, and also spells. Um, there were some out-of-house developers that worked on these spells, and then we worked on them in-house as well. So just a lot of people had their hand in making these really cool. So kind of excited about all of them, <laughs> but, you know, we picked a few. I also should, it's not exciting, but I'll note that, you know, of course, the Precog has a spell list, um, and that's going to be... And every other class has access to some of these spells. You know, each spell has a sort of combination of of ideas uh, for which not well not rules for which classes can use them um but the precog precog was an interesting challenge in that regard that you know what what does it mean to manipulate time and what existing spells from the core rulebook primarily but also from other sources that are included in this uh in the spell list in this book uh, which of them makes sense for the precog which of them step on the toes of other spellcasters too much which of them are just like get in there you're a time spell like of course the precog has access to it those were the easy ones <laughs> um, but i would love to i know there was especially during the play test there was talk about like how does this spell make sense or not make sense for the precog we had a we had a much more limited uh spell list at that time um and it was great talking about that and i look forward in fact we'll be in discord after this panel uh answering questions and if anyone wants to talk more about that i'd be down because uh, i find it really fun to think about how does how does manipulating time for instance, let you cause fire damage in a cone. And I have thoughts about that, but I'll, I'll spare you them <laughs> for now. <laughs> I love the uh, the prospect of having a, a a precog. Well, aside from the whole time, you know, flavor, just just the imagery of I don't know. Do they get to stop time? I'm, I can't remember if there's a specific spell that stops time. But it, it's just that that's the type of description, that type of um, kind of the melding of the narrative and what is in our mind's eye when we're in play of stopping a spell in the middle and then having it, you know, resume when it's not supposed to or, or something of the sort. It's, it's very cool. And I, I look forward to what people say once they get to get to see all these fantastic new spells. Uh, but, you know, uh, we, we love spells. We love magic. 
and I think we can kind of expand the discussion a bit to to look into um, magic in the in the galaxy, magic in the wider world. And a good starting point, I think, would be um you know faith, belief, that deities. We have quite a quite a lineup here of old and new. So how about we can take a look at some of the deities that we're going to be featuring in a galactic magic? Oh, who is this? Whoa, who is yeah. this? Let's, so let's this get started. So um, the Starfinder Crow rulebook presents uh, 20 major deities who feature within the galaxy, but they're not alone by any means. But it helped us to organize how we were going to present faiths uh, in this in this book, Galactic Magic. And so what you're going to find in Galactic Magic is first off an overview of like what faith represents for a bunch of people or how it tends to manifest in a futuristic setting like Starfinders. Um, but then we go into these um, one page explorations of each of these core 20 deities and provide you art of them. Um, and I got to tell you, some of these some of these uh, characters, some of these deities who are like concepts, this was another challenge, but oh man, they turned out beautifully. And the great thing about uh, illustrating some of our deities who are, you're familiar with from Pathfinder is that we get to play around with their illustration a little bit because every illustration um, tells a story and the more that you have an original touchstone to look back to like you do for Iomide, the more that you can identify differences that tell their own hidden narratives. So I think that's going to be really important for people to be looking at the artwork that we've put in Galactic Magic to look for those little nuances and what it might imply about what has happened to these deities in the intervening time. Um, so that's Iomide. She's she's rad as hell, and uh, I'm excited about all these deities. Um, we also, though, Starfinder's a big, big galaxy, so that's a great opportunity for us to create a whole bunch of new deities. And uh, the one you're currently seeing is in our section about ancestral deities. These are deities who are uh, primarily known as champions of a certain species or a certain culture or may even be ascended members of one of these species or cultures. Um, in this case, we have a Telia deity. Telia you might recognize as sort of turtle-like people from, I believe, Alien Archive 3. This is Uvan, who is a deity of knowledge uh, and forgetfulness and uh, ignorant healing, basically. It's, it's sort of a deity who tells you basically to, to slow on down and that sometimes there are things that you have experienced or that you are remembering that are holding you back and you need to be able to just let them go. But there's cool background for Uvan of like, how much does she in fact really know about what happened in the gap and things like that. So we have tons of new deities like that um, that are each telling a cool bit of the narrative, like what is happening in the Starfinder setting. And it's really fun, especially when we have all these new playable species, we have over a hundred at this point, uh, being able to present like, what does it mean to be a Patra deity or what what does it look like when a dragonkin and a riforian both ascend at the same time together? Stuff like that. Really cool uh, concepts that, uh, like, our outline was like, we'd like to have generally this sort of thing. And then the authors come back to us like, we've brought you gifts. Um, and it's just a delight to read through and develop. Yeah, I, I love character building and world building. and. Uh... You know, whenever I'm creating a character in Starfinder, I'll I'll pick a deity, uh, and I have you know the core rule book information to go on, like what their alignment is and kind of what they're what they're about in general. Like Hylax, for instance, I know Hylax is about 
friendship and peace. I know some de some good details from the core rule book, but uh, reading, you know, the galactic magic entry on Hylax, there's a cool sort of mechanical and quasi-mechanical uh, information in there about what is what is anathema to that to that deity and what is what might earn you a blessing uh, from that deity and what those might look like. And it's very narrative uh, for the most part, but it's it's so enriching for to think about instead of just putting a name down of a cool sounding deity who's you know generally lawful good or something. Uh, I get to know, I get to think about how how would my character carry out these beliefs that they have uh, based on this on this uh, deity. And I, I'm not recalling the subsections of the deity chapter, uh, or excuse me, the the core twenty deities uh, entries, but they're all geared toward a specific aspect of of each deity that really, again, focuses you on uh, just specific aspects of that deity and, and how it translates to the real world of Starfinder, uh, which is just like so much so much good stuff for making characters, which is my perspective on it uh, mostly, but also telling really cool stories. Is it my turn? Is it my turn? Can I talk about it? <laughs> Talk about them. Should I talk about them now? That, that new deity that uh, that I had the honor of writing for uh, for this book, uh, Excelsis. We don't have an image of uh, of them, but um, gosh, how do you, how do I describe Excelsis? Uh, Excelsis is a starship, and is the <laughs> neutral god of uh, uh, motion, energy, and change. And I feel as though a starship just happens to be very emblematic of that in our setting. And I, I don't know how much more I should say because you know you gotta leave, gotta let people think about what that what it all means and what such a deity means for a, for for a Starfinder. I, I think one thing that I can say about uh, Excelsis that is is really emblematic of what it means to have deities in a galaxy or really in a multiverse is that um, we know from Pathfinder that a bunch of deities have homes. They have realms that are their own, oftentimes on the outer planes. Um, and there are a few that we know kind of wander or you know exist in demi points or whatever. Um, but when it comes to having a deity who's a starship, um, you know, you don't just park a starship in the maelstrom. No, you fly it all over the place. And so the idea that as you're going out and you're exploring the weird and wonderful nature that is the entire Starfinder galaxy, that you can be running into anything from a mundane asteroid to, in fact, a god um, who just sort of flies by and is like, hey, how's it going? Um, creates all sorts of prospect of wonder in a setting um, where the entire galaxy is, in fact, haha, surprise, the title, magical. Yeah, I love uh, a lot of the minor, like, so I love the Core 20 uh, sections that expand upon the Core 20 gods and the ways we've talked about, but all these like new, uh, more minor deities and like faiths and just belief systems even that are in there are so exciting. Like. Uh, and just full of opportunity. I mean, you have your like classics like Kate and Kaylin, uh, but there's also like we touched on the ancestral deities for Telia, the tortoise-like people. There's also a, a slug, slug-like Osharu. Uh, they have an ancestral deity of Jovari, which is exciting. Uh, and then there is a heading that just like blew my mind when I saw it: Vesk Saints. Those are not two words I would have put together for some reason before. But uh, how can you not read the section called Vesk Saints? Like it's it's wild the stuff that's in there in in the best of ways so plenty to look forward to in that regard 
I think that's actually a, a good point to start uh, spreading our uh, widening the kind of discussion going from the deities which is kind of a specific you know topic regarding the the lore and the the setting of starfinder to to kind of the wider preconceptions are a bit more world building in uh that's going on in the starfinder galaxy uh what it means for magic in being used anywhere everywhere practically i think and kind of the preconceptions of the people who live in these different parts of the galaxy uh you mentioned the um, different factions and, of course, different beliefs. So how about we uh, maybe get started on that? Uh, gosh. Yeah, let, let's start talking about factions, because we have a few uh, factions that view um, magic and view kind of the history or the workings of magic a bit differently from one another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, the core rulebook really presents, like, how magic works on a your character level. Um, but it doesn't explore quite as much about what magic means within the galaxy. And so uh, Galactic Magic has a nice big chapter about how, you know, a spellcaster's career might come together or what it means to be a technomancer in a typical society. A lot of this is kind of presented from a packed world's oriented viewpoint, but is widely applicable to uh, whatever society you like in, in the galaxy. Um, what are what's been the progression of magic like where does it really come from and what is magic itself um and and what can it do well and what can it not do these are the sorts of questions that especially in a futuristic setting like starfinder you might ask well, why has technology not just done all this stuff and you know i mean the short answer is partly because technology and magic work hand in hand in starfinder but it's also because they have certain um certain areas where they are less capable and magic fills in some of those gaps for technology and vice versa. Um, so it's really cool to explore what the role of your magician PC might be in or how your non-spellcasting PC might view spellcasters or how common spellcasters are. So really, whether you're a player or a GM, it's providing you a lot of fun world building uh, knowledge. And a bunch of that is uh, represented in the institutions and factions that Ian mentioned. Um, so we present not only the institutions that are groups that practice magic and do cool things, but also the schools that might have trained you as well, whether they are upstanding or much more devious. And maybe you're, you're not the most, um, the happiest about your alma mater. Um, but that like provides a whole bunch of different little sections. Uh, what are some of folks' favorites in this? Ooh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, <laughs> jumping in. Yeah. Cause as soon as I read this one faction, I was like, I don't see me creating a spellcaster character that does not, if they didn't, weren't involved with this faction, at least have a strong opinion about it. And that is the Eldritch Games League, which is magical sporting events and competitions, which is, I love it. Like, uh, it just speaks to me on so many levels. And, you know, if my if my next spellcaster character in Starfinder isn't a, isn't a member of the gaming league, the games league, then they will they will either love or hate it or have, you know, their favorite sports teams in it. Uh, it's just like, I'm not even a big sports person in general, but magical sports. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm over the moon about that particular faction. And that's just an example of, of the cool stuff that uh, is, is in this chapter. I can already imagine the, uh, the Eldritch League drafts, the, the spectacle that comes with getting those uh getting those athletes on new teams or what have you um, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> all right uh 
Oh gosh, yeah, there's so many. Honestly, when when you were mentioning kind of the factions and magic, it, a thing that also came to mind is that uh, we also cover uh, kind of um, ideals. They're not they're not always necessarily you know factions and organizations, but they are they are kind of these ideologies um, that think about the world, their worlds, and the galaxy that try to answer questions that we haven't really answered before. Um, that's there. I know um the big one that that shows up for whatever reason is the gap recollective like that that just comes <laughs> up some sometimes you know uh but you all uh, tend to so we're um let's 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 discuss uh factions like that maybe we can start with the gap recollective because i think it has a tie-in with with a certain job slightly certain iconic maybe i don't know who knows we don't know yet yeah yeah uh, the... so we, we we explore both some uh familiar from pathfinder uh, factions, but also we've introduced some newer ones that are going to be a delight to play with. So the Gap Recollective is um, a, a let's call it a philosophy um, that attracts anybody whose interests lie in the greatest mystery of all, the Gap. And while many of them are interested in just sort of pe peeling back what the mystery is and, you know, solving the gap um some others want to take it even a step further and believe that they have a found a way to potentially reverse the gap and you know if you've watched any sci-fi you know that anything that involves undoing cr chronological uh events is fraught um and makes for a fantastic movement that can be both a kind of strange patron or possibly the antagonist that really means well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fantastic faction for um, a variety of spellcasters, especially those that kind of delve into the otherworldly, like this would be a great witch warper faction because they might be exploring what the alternate realities of, you know, a, what if there were no gap sort of thing, um, sorts of characters might be. So I'm really happy with that one. Yeah, as you alluded to, in our, it's, a, it's a great fit for a, a precog as well, uh, especially again, like they haven't one of their core class features, the anchor, where you are tied to some temporal event or uh, idea. The gap is certainly one of those, uh, which which comes with its own unique powers and everything. But yeah, there's there's it, again, I, I'm always going to come back to character building because that's. But mm -hmm. I, I like to make a ton of characters and then not play them. <laughs> um, but there's just so many resources it, and it just, all these little details, even if you don't use, you know, even if you just kind of mention the Gap Rec Collective or maybe you just meet, maybe that's the NPC you meet in a in a cantina one day is like, they're just like a gung-ho member of the, of the Gap Rec Collective. And that gives them so much personality and like, you know, so much about them just from that, uh, that it's, uh, it's really cool. This book is really cool. That's what I'm trying to say. I know we I have an image for this one too. Uh, what was it? Hmm. Uh, ah. or next image, something. Oh, gosh, where is it? I can't find it. Yeah, <laughs> what are we looking at here, fellas? Because this one is this one is really cool looking. I picked it out, but I had no context for it. I I'm I'm sorry. I really just had no context, but it just looks so cool. Yeah. So this one, um, our final our final subchapter in this book is called Magical Phenomena, and it, it's based on the idea that uh, what in the real world, when we look at physics and we take it to a galactic scale or planetary scale, like physics just starts to melt 
and like our ability to even understand what's going on as humans starts to fray um as you know you get black holes and you get nebulas and you get things on that take billions and billions of years to happen and so we wanted to explore what it meant for not just uh a galaxy to go through you know stellar life cycles and whatnot as on a physics level but also on a magical level what happens when you have a galaxy suffused with magic that expresses its own analog to something like gravity um what happens when that magic you know implodes into a meta star that is in fact just a star that is uh growing off of uh raw magic and and is creating new types of magic within its core um which i think might be close to what's going on here um probably my favorite thing from the whole magical phenomena section is this idea called alignment singularities um so like a singularity of a black hole is where just like you know all of the gravity comes together and all the material comes together and all the mass um but an alignment singularity is something that can oftentimes form when there is so much of some philosophy or concept or event that it creates a a palpable core of that alignment um quintessence that just collapses in on itself and as you approach it kind of like approaching a black hole that starts to stretch you out and tear you to pieces um when you approach an alignment singularity that you might not have detected for example it starts to impact not only characters in it but material as like as as you go through an evil alignment singularity for example matter itself becomes malicious um and each one of them has a cool description of like what happens when you cross the event horizon that it, it's just a fun read i love this stuff can we just shout out the artist too who you know john wrote great art briefs for these parts of the book and like but taking that and turning that into into this amazing art like i'm just blown away like our art team and our freelance artists just kill it every time with this like they take our weirdest ideas and turn it into this stuff that we're just so thrilled to show you and put in and see in books as we flip through so just wanted to shout them out very much agreed that was that was why you know it caught my eye so i was like oh let's put that in <laughs> but yes like gosh the uh the alignment horizon that's so cool i can already imagine the number of uh, people that want to either base an adventure off that or you know maybe base uh some backstory to it who knows it might show up uh, in the future who oh, we don't know we we don't know either because yeah it's it's a it's a big galaxy with lots of magic in it but you know uh gosh there's so much do, do either of you want to you know touch on something particular in particular regarding our this uh our, the way we're doing this narrative lore world building that's going on with this book because there is just so much and there's no way we're going to be able to spoil or tease everything but I'm sure uh, all of us here have something that we just kind of on at the tip of a tip of our tongues just want to kind of get out there and get people excited for. I mean, there's a there's a bit on the Xeno Wardens, which I feel have been a little underserved in our setting for, from time to time, although we have lots of cool stuff that touch on them. So there's, you know, just dangling that carrot in front of anyone who's interested. Uh, but yeah, I, I also kind of like if you tech revolution is is, is that available to people yet? <laughs> because I'd love to hear John's well, well, sort it, of... It, it has started to show up as PDFs and has gone out uh, in shipping. Okay. 
because I personally see analogs to that sort of uh, information and tech revolution that talks about what does technology look like in the galaxy uh, in a very enriching and like, you know, descriptive way uh, as, and yeah, for this magic section where there's just all these little bits and bobs that you can kind of mush together and take what you like and leave what you don't. But I, I would, yeah, I'd like to actually hear John's take on that. If, if you see those as analogs or maybe they're wildly different and I'm just <laughs> making it up. I think I think that there are analogs um, that you're going to find a slightly different structure in galactic magic because tech revolution uh, very much broke things down into like these one page articles on on subtopics. So like, how do comm units work or what is a universal polymark base, um, things like that. And galactic magic tends to take much broader categories and it says, OK, what what are what do we see when we look at magical institutions? What is magic in everyday life, things like that. Um, so you're going to see larger uh, articles with a wider scope that, that, frankly, like there are advantages and disadvantages to each and being able to see, compare and contrast ideas in those larger articles uh, is kind of to magic's benefit. So either way, though, if you are enjoying uh, what you're starting to see from Tech Revolution, especially in that final chapter, exploring the setting, I think you're going to love a bunch of what you see in galactic magic. Yeah, that's awesome. Makes good sense. That's kind of what I was getting at anyway. It's like, <laughs> I'm just reminded of our other awesome setting books. So. Setting uh, you know, so one of the other, never hurts. One of the Go other ahead, sorry. Uh, organizations that I enjoy, uh, just to give a shout out to this one, is the Palace Obscura. Um, as I mentioned, there are a lot of like fun factions and organizations. Um, and then there are the schools that you just like, where do the villains go to school? Or where can my player character have gone and like escaped from because it was like way too much. And the Palace Obscura is basically this um, school for enchanters and mindbender mystics and the like um, who are playing, a, shall we say politely, fast and loose with ethics. Um, that's where they oftentimes try to go. And it's, it's a cutthroat university of mind affecting magic where it is in is secreted within some city and your your like graduation exams and field tests involve going out into the urban landscape and being uh capital e evil um so they make fantastic antagonists they can make great uh npcs and antagonists who are really not happy that your character left them without graduating officially um or any number of things but it, it's great to show a wide uh breadth of these schools because not only does it give you stuff for building your characters, it gives you a great uh, resource as a GM to be able to create antagonists and fun NPCs within the setting as well. And you know what? With a book like this, it's it's not gonna be it's not it should be too hard. If anything, it's gonna be hard to contain all your great ideas once galactic magic <laughs> is in your hands and you can uh you can flip through it or PDF through it whenever it comes out, hopefully late 2021. But now that we've uh we've covered a whole lot of topics, it's just hopefully people are excited. It's uh about time that we can start taking questions, I believe. So uh, is that all That's right? Good. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, let's see. Where are the questions? If you have it pulled up, detail to me because I think I have the wrong one. I know there's quite a few in the uh, in the, that we've compiled here. Oh yeah. Uh, there's one with Matt. 
I'm seeing some from Discord that... Yeah, the, can you oh, go sorry, over go some of the yeah. new magic items? I think that's a big one that we should go uh, ahead and cover, because that's, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah, significant. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, what is the book on magic without magic items? And in Starfinder, we have hybrid items, too, which are combination magic and technology. And then there's also some artifacts in this book. There's uh, four new artifacts, which I won't talk about at all, uh, but they're all, you know, bonkers stuff that can drive entire adventures by themselves. Um, but some of my favorite hybrid and magic items, I jotted these down beforehand because I prepared, uh, is the Sweet Dream Bot, which is has adorable art, which we're not showing you. <laughs> that's my that's my catchphrase today. Uh, but yeah, it's I'll let you discover what it does and everything on your own. But the art alone is worth is worth the price of admission. And then there's some new Aeon stones, including one that's colloquially known as a Luck Stone, which will give you some good luck if you carry it around or let it hover around you. Um, there's figurines of wondrous power, uh, which because this is the future, they can be made of all sorts of things, not just like ivory and, and stone, but uh, we have a, a polymer velociraptor, which there again is art of that we won't be showing you, uh, which is basically just a, a, a velociraptor action figure <laughs> that can turn into an actual dinosaur. Um, and the plush squawks is another favorite. And then uh, there's a, a hood ornament that lets your, your vehicle hover um, which, you know, there are other ways for your vehicle to hover, especially again with Tech Revolution. But come on, you don't want a magic hood ornament in the shape of a Strix, uh, like a luxury car hood ornament that you slap on your, uh, I guess not enter cycle because that already hovers, but something else, your tank and let it <laughs> let it hover. I mean, I want to do that. So those are just some of the, the fun ones that I picked out going through, but there's a ton. Um, and again, these are for anybody. You don't have to be a spellcaster to use these, obviously. Magic's everywhere, so. I just like the versatility of the uh, instant vehicle hybrid items. It's a whole class of items that are effectively, you're carrying around a little you know, micro machine of a, a figure of your vehicle of choice. And you sure can throw it to the ground and suddenly you've got your escape buggy um, and can get the heck out after you've run your wild heist. And slap a hover ornament on there and you're good to go. <laughs> um, the other thing that uh, shows up a lot in our magic items section are a bunch of items that are loosely tied into various faiths. Um, you don't have to be like a Desmond to use the Desmond circlet, but um, it gives a good opportunity for us to further expand on the flavor of these deities by showing off some things that might show up in their faith, which means that it's a cool tie-in for your character who might be a member of that faith. It can also make for a cool treasure um, if you're exploring some abandoned temple of Hylax or, or um, you know, Lao Shu Po. Um, so those are, have also been fun to work with. For sure. All right. We have uh, this question that, that is on the, that I can read it. Let's see. Uh, the tech revolution mentions two new damage types, uh, positive and negative on page uh, 54. Very specific, thank you. Uh, is this preemptive for galactic magic or an oversight? I think this is a good time to just clarify that since we were discussing it earlier. Yeah, so galactic magic and, and tech revolution uh, don't mean to introduce any new damage types. There is damage with the positive descriptor that can exist. Um, there's also, I believe, some force damage stuff uh, still floating around out there that uh, we are added to, to change to damage with the force descriptor just to be very mechanically exact. Um, so there's not new damage types uh, coming, but 
in the Corvo book, there are, there's a big list of descriptors that effects, uh, including damage to some extent can have. And so, so not, not presaging anything there, just, uh, a slip of the old <laughs> developer risks there. So. Uh, we kind of covered some of these questions, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read, I guess this one is like a, how does this book expand on the nature of magic on in the Starfinder setting in the presence of gods? Does it focus only on non on the core twenty deities, or are there more details on gods we haven't ever heard of before? Well, hopefully we answered that for you. But no, that that one is just it's a good question. To be fair, uh, and I think that's probably a good one to just kind of start wrapping things up on our end too. Uh, how would you like to kind of sum it up? Because I feel as though it, it that that, that uh, an answer to that question would sum up a lot of um, what we've talked about it what people can look forward to in this in, in this in this book. Yeah, what I would uh, point out is that Starfinder has so many different uh, combinations that you can do between your species, your class, your, your theme, and more. Um, and there's no presumption that any one spellcaster is getting all of their magic from any one source. So if you want it to be tied into deities, fantastic. You can totally do that. And galactic magic gives you new outlets for exploring um, potential divine connections that your character might have. But it also um, opens up possibilities of how you might be acquiring magic or drawing magic or channeling magic um, that can be not at all divine, can be drawn from the galaxy itself, can be drawn from raw willpower or from other worlds entirely. So galactic magic is really presenting the near infinite uh, possibilities that happen when you have billions and billions of star systems within an entire galaxy. Um, and so it's really about opening up options and possibilities as opposed to defining any one right answer. That's really well said. And, uh, like you were saying too, it's not just spellcasters, right? Like these, these possibilities are open to any character that you're making in, in Starfinder, any class. So I think that's, what's really, really useful about it. Uh, that might be surprising to people that think like, oh, it's magic book. It must just be for spellcasters some spells, but it's so much more than that. Well, you know, it's uh, it's that time where we must uh, all great things eventually comes to an end. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because I might end up spoiling something else if I keep going, uh, we have <laughs> we have to conclude this panel, uh, this great panel about galactic magic for Starfinder. Um, Gosh, there's just there's just so many exciting things that people will be able to look forward to and be able to play with once it once it comes out in late, hopefully 2021. Um, but yes, thank you, uh, Joe and John. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with uh, it, being on this panel and sharing uh, insights and teasers with our with our wonderful audience. Um, you too. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, but I'm, I'm really excited still. This was a book that had been made by some very awesome people. Great ideas, just creativity out the wazoo from the writers, the freelancers, in-house, out-of-house, the artists, just everything just coming together and just being, you know, awesome. Because that, that's what we do. We make great things. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm, I'm out of juice. But um. All right, that, that's the end of the panel. That's the end of the panel. Um, coming up, uh, we have a uh, we have another panel, so stick around, fellas. Uh, thank you so much for uh, paying attention to us, paying attention to me rambling. Uh, coming up is a uh, Pathfinder. Was it Extinction Curse? Is that it? Good. On Goblin Cave TV. There it is. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs>
Thank you.